God bless you today. We give glory to God right now for this wonderful time that we can spend with God around his word. We welcome you to this Blog Talk radio broadcast. We're, we are reviewing 10 of the weapons of our warfare. And as we begin to uh, go over the review of them, I want to give you a challenge. A challenge that when we finish with this message, that you'll go back and listen to it at least three days in a row to build your faith so that we can become more proficient in the use of these Bible weapons of our warfare. We want to remember that God wants us to stand victoriously in him and in his word. And repetition is so important. Romans 10 and verse 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Repetition is so vitally connected to our faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing on a continual basis. Also in the word, again, the word again is used 1,504 times in the Bible. Jesus would say, and again, I say unto you, and again, I say unto you. And John 10 and verse 7, Mark 10 and verse 24. So we see that God wants us to repeat things over and over so it can get down into our spirit. Also, the word remembrance is important because it's a covenant term. It does not mean to forget, but it means to keep in the forefront of our mind and of our memory. Jesus said in Luke 22 and verse 19, do this in remembrance of me. He wanted us to keep in the forefront of our mind and of our memory the finished work that he did on Calvary's cross when his body was broken and his precious mighty blood was shed to bring us into right standing with himself, to redeem us, to reconcile us, and to sanctify us. God also wants us to keep in the forefront of our mind and memory the weapons of our warfare so that we may be able to stand victoriously in him. In the United States military, there are levels of proficiency and marksmanship when training in the use of their weapons. God also wants us to be proficient and marks and, and have levels of marksmanship in him and in his word. In James 1, it says, be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves or deceiving ourselves. Proficiency counts. In the military, United States military, there are four levels of marksmanship. Number one, unqualified. Number two, marksman. Number three, the sharpshooter can also be a sniper. The fourth one is an expert who can also be a sniper. This, uh, this is, remember those four levels. God does not want us to be unqualified in the weapons of our warfare. That's why we're asking and, and he's asking us to go back by his spirit, to listen to this again, to become very acquainted with the 10 weapons of our warfare. There are more than 10, but with 10 of the weapons of our warfare. And so that we can become marksmen. We can become sharpshooters in the spirit. We can become those snipers in the spirit and experts in the weapons of the, our warfare and walking in the things of God. Again, that is why we're given the challenge to listen to this message at least three days consecutively. For those of you who are more serious and really want to get it down in your spirit, just listen to it for seven days. That would even be better. And one month would be phenomenal. When you get through with that time, I guarantee you, you will, you will never be the same. You will never be the same. When we get those 10 weapons down on the inside of us and we begin to get it down, our spirit man, 
man will do what it needs to do. When a situation comes up, it will begin to employ those 10 weapons of our warfare. Glory to God. Now, the first thing that we want to establish in talking about these weapons of our warfare is that at the moment that we're saved and born again, we become enlisted as a part of God's army. One of our main scriptures for this time is 2 Timothy the second chapter, verse three and four. It says, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We find out here that we're called soldiers of Jesus Christ and we're instructed to endure hardness. That word hardness there is to endure those temptations, tests and trials that will come our way. God said many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Glory to God. He calls us to, to endure the temptations, tests and trials. In Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 11 it says that the race is not to given to the swift nor the battle to the strong but in Matthew 24 13 Mark 13 and verse 13 and Matthew 10 22 it says but he that shall endure unto the end the same shall be saved so we're called to endure the temptations tests, and trials as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. The word of God says in Hebrews 10 and verse 36, for you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Then we understand in verse four that there is a war going on. We're in a warfare, whether we like it or not, whether we want to be involved in it or not, whether it's in the good times, the in-between times, or the bad times, there is still a war going on. And the word of God says in verse four of second Timothy, that second chapter in second Timothy two and verse four, it says, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who have chosen him to be a soldier. God chooses us to be a soldier. The moment we receive him, there's a war going on. It says in one translation, no one engaged in warfare. This is in the new KJV. It says no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. God tells us there's a war going on and he has enlisted us when we come to know him as a soldier. In the CEB Bible, it says, nobody who serves in the military gets tied up with civilian matters so that they can please the one who recruited them. God said, I've recruited you. He's recruited us into his army. The ASV says, no soldier on service entangleth himself in the affairs of this life that he may please him who enrolled him as a soldier. In the Amplified Bible, it says he, we are enlisted in him to serve. Glory to God. So we're establishing that the moment we receive Jesus Christ, the moment that we become a part of the family of God and we're born again, God enlists us into his army. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And then in 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 7, goes further to tell us we're soldiers in a warfare. It says, no soldier goes to warfare at his own expense. Here he not only tells us that we're soldiers and that there's a war going on, but we're not by ourselves. He's the one who backs us, who takes care of us. That's why he's given us that there are 10 weapons, at least 10. We, we will probably, if I have the time at the end, I'll give you a couple of more uh, and give you 12 all together today, but I'll give you 10 if the time permits today. So we see that there are 10 uh, that we're going to be, we see that we're soldiers in a warfare and God himself is backing us. 
Now, as soldiers, uh, God is calling us into a boot camp and basic training in spiritual warfare. We've got to be trained, saints of God. I know my, my niece, Stacy, she trained and uh, she was uh, in the army. She was not only a military police, but she also became a recruiter and a retention specialist. She would recruit men and women into the, to the army. But before they would go into basic training, she said she would train them ideally for three months so that they could learn the weapons of their warfare. I mean, learn their weapons, the rifles, that they could learn uh, the codes and, and the different things they needed even before they got in basic training. Because she said if she could only train uh, 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 a, a recruit for a month, many times they had to be what she called recycled. That's where that unqualified level comes in. They had to be recycled because they, they didn't train enough in order for them to be able to finish out and do successfully in basic training. Hallelujah. So we're we're doing a basic training in spiritual warfare so that we won't have to be recycled. Glory to God. We've been in this boot camp in our services for the last seven months since August of 2021. And this is so that we can know the weapons. When my my uh, uh, niece Stacy, when they talk about going in the service, they have to, with those uh, recruits, they have to know how to take that weapon apart, clean it, and put it back together again. And she said it's important for their own safety as well as the safety of those around them. And I, as I look at some of those things on, on the internet, on YouTube, uh, those ones who are, are preparing for basic training, the soldiers are, are just preparing for basic training. I look at how they have to take that weapon apart and all those little intricate parts, clean it and put it back together again. Well, in the spirit realm, God is, is, is calling for us to become proficient in the use of the weapons of the warfare that he has given us. Hallelujah. And he's calling us not only to be, uh, 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 proficient in them, but to be able to learn them and keep them in the forefront of our mind and memory. In 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 through 6, the word of God says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. It says in verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Oh, saints of God, he's given us weapons. He said, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We must know and understand, beloved, that the biggest battle is between our ears. That is why we're told to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. We must know and always remember that our warfare is not carnal, it's not fleshly, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We're told what to fight and who to fight. In 1 Timothy 6 and verse 12, we're told to fight the good fight of faith. And then we must know that our warfare is not with other believers, it's not with other Christians, it's not with our husband or wife, it's not with our dog or cat, because sometimes spirits can get on your dog and cat. It's not with our sister, our brother, our children, our parents, our neighbor, our friend, our employer, our co-worker, our classmate, our teacher. That's what the enemy wants us to focus on flesh. But our warfare is not with other human beings. We must remember that we have an enemy of our souls whose 
organized into ranks and has great wrath toward the saints of God. In Ephesians 6 and verse 12, it gives us those four ranks of the spirits. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against number one, principalities, against powers, number two, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, number three, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Revelations 12, 12 says in part that the devil has come down unto you having great wrath because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. James 4 and verse 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 and 9 says, Be sober-minded and alert. Your adversary the devil prowls, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in your faith, and in the knowledge that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. Hallelujah. So we understand that we have an enemy. We're not born against flesh and blood. We have an enemy who's been organized into four, four ranks. But we have, but we must, we don't fear because we remember who our commander in chief is. It is Jesus Christ, the righteous one, who is the great head of the church, the captain of our salvation and the captain of our faith. He is with us. First John 4, 4 says, you are of God, little children, and have, over, and, over, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Romans 8, 37 says, yet in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. So having said all of that, let us begin to look at 10 weapons of our warfare. The first weapon that we're looking at today is the name of Jesus Christ. We must remember that Jesus, our commander in chief, the great head of the church, has now given to each one of us as believers delegated authority and power to use his name. As a believer in Christ Jesus, we have been given delegated God-given authority and power by Jesus Christ. Mark 16 and verse 17 says, and these signs shall follow them that believe. Jesus said, these are the signs that follow those who believe on him. He said, in my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. That's why it's important for us to pray over our food. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. So we see that here we now see being in, in, instated by Jesus Christ. He's given us now delegated authority to those of us who believe now. We're believers to those who believe to use his name in Jesus' name. Then he, we see further in Luke 10 and verse 19, Jesus said, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. In Philippians 2, verse 9 through 11, it says, Wherefore God also have highly exalted him, talking about Jesus, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth. So if it's a thing, the word of God said, it has to bow its knee to the name of Jesus, whatever thing it is. And that every tongue in verse 11 should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. As soldiers of the Lord, we must know and understand and always remember that Jesus Christ, our commander in chief, 
the captain of our salvation and the captain of our faith is our great example of how to use that authority and power that he has given us, that delegated authority and power. Because Jesus would rebuke a thing and then he would give it a charge. He would give it a command and an order. In Matthew 4 and verse 39, Jesus rebuked the winds and the waves and commanded and ordered them to be quiet and to be still. Listen to me again, saints of God. Jesus's mode of operation would be he would rebuke a thing and then he would give it a charge and a command and order. He rebuked the winds first and the waves and then he gave it an order. He commanded and ordered it and charged it to be quiet and still. In Mark 9, verse 17 through 27, Jesus rebuked that suicide and dumb and deaf spirit that had often thrown a little boy into the fire and into the waters to destroy him and charged and commanded that spirit to come out of him and enter no more into him. In Mark 9 and verse 25, when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more unto him. Now, somebody would look at this and say, well, you know, that's Jesus. He could do that. What about us? Well, remember that Jesus said, uh, to those who believe in Mark 16 and verse 17, he said those, and he said to those who believe in my name, he gave us that you could do five things. You could cast out devils. He said that we could lay hands on the sick in his name. Remember now he's reinstating the authority and the dominion that God gave us from the very beginning. In Genesis 1 verse 26 through 28, in that those verses, God said he made man and woman, male and female, and he he said he made them and he gave them both dominion. He gave them dominion, authority from the very beginning. Now, when Jesus came, he reinstated that God given authority and in the person of himself that we could use his name. He said, I'm giving you delegated authority to use my name. I'm giving you delegated authority to rebuke a thing and then give it a charge, give it a command in the name of Jesus Christ. We're using that God-given delegated authority of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Then the disciples, because Jesus is our great example, the disciples, they wanted to follow. They, they endeavored to follow the example of Jesus Christ using the delegated authority of the name of Jesus. They also would rebuke a thing in the name of Jesus Christ. And they also would give a charge and a command and an order in the name of Jesus Christ. In Acts 3, 1 through 16. In Acts 3, verse 6 through 8. In Acts 3 and verse 16. In Acts 16, verse 18, uh, there was a woman who was following behind Paul. And she did this for many days. But Paul, it says he was greatly annoyed. And he turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out in that very hour. He used the delegated authority that he had to use the name of Jesus. Let's do that right now while we're on this particular time. Let's do that right now in Jesus' name. Let's use that delegated authority. I want you to lay your hands upon yourself right now and said, I rebuke in Jesus' name all weakness, sickness, disease, infirmity, pain, and discomfort from off of me and my loved ones in Jesus' name. And I charge and command that weakness sickness and disease, infirmity, all pain and discomfort 
to leave me now and to leave my loved one now and not come back in Jesus' name. Glory to God. We want to become proficient in using the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. My 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 niece, uh, Stacy, she was a military police. And she said there was a certain rifle that she preferred. And the rifle that she preferred was a lighter weight that she could keep close to her body uh, and uh, had a certain kind of, I guess, a kick to it uh, that, was a, that she could use as a military police. Well, I believe that one of the number one weapons of our warfare is the name of Jesus Christ, for there's power in that name. And remember again in Philippians 2, it says, every knee of things in the heaven and the earth and under the earth should bow its knee to the name of Jesus Christ. Glory to God. And so we want to remember that number one weapon. Then the second weapon of our warfare is the blood of Jesus, found in Revelations 12 and verse 11, a very familiar verse to you all. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. And uh, the old folks used to say, the old saints of God used to say, the blood still works. Say that with me. The blood of Jesus still works. The blood of Jesus still works. We plead the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, what does that mean? We plead the blood of Jesus Christ. Well, in, in a regular court of law, it's a legal term when we plead, when we plead something. We plead the Fifth Amendment uh, in a court of law, which means that we have the right to not incriminate ourselves in a court of law. When we plead the blood of Jesus Christ, we're saying that all that Jesus shed his blood for us belongs to us, and that anything contrary to that has no right to remain upon us. Hebrews 12 and verse 24 says, you come to Jesus, the one who brought us, the mediator of the new agreement from God to his people, the new covenant, glory to God, and you come to the sprinkled blood, Jesus' blood on Calvary's cross that has a better message, speaks of something better, or pleads more insistently than the blood of Abel, who was killed by his brother Cain. Abel's blood cried out to God for vengeance. Abel's blood, his brother, his brother Cain had killed him in Genesis 4 and verse 10. And it says, and the Lord said to Cain, where's your brother Abel? And Cain said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And God said to him, what have you done? The voice of your blood, brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Abel's blood was crying out vengeance for his murder. But Jesus' blood cries out with a message of forgiveness and reconciliation. Jesus' blood cries out for relationship with God and every one of the benefits of the covenant of God. It cries out for sonship, for heirship, for joint heirship with Jesus Christ. Oh, beloved, the blood of Jesus, I decree and declare over you, the blood of Jesus is speaking over you right now, healing, health, and wholeness. The blood of Jesus is speaking over you to be debt free. The blood of Jesus is speaking over you, the peace of God that passes all understanding. The blood of Jesus is crying out over you for protection as you go in and come out. The blood of Jesus is speaking glory to God. That's why we plead the blood of Jesus. And I plead the blood of Jesus over you and me, over our household, over our vehicles, over our finances, over our mind, our will, and our emotion. The blood of Jesus, we plead the blood of Jesus because it speaks of everything that Jesus provided for us in the covenant. Glory to God. Then the third 
uh, uh, weapon of our warfare is the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. Ephesians 6, 17 says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The word of God says in Hebrews 4 and verse 12, that God's word is active, operative, energizing. His word is effective. Glory to God. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I'm going, I'm almost, I have only a few more minutes, so I'm going to only focus right now on each one so you can get these weapons. The fourth weapon is worship and praise. Second Chronicles 20 and verse 22 says, and when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. I want you to know you may be just one praise away from your victory. Praise and worship is also an expression of our faith and trust in God. It is a weapon. It's an expression of our faith and trust in God, who he is, and in his promises to us. When they begin to praise God, the Lord begin to work behind the scene. Oh, saints of God, praise him. Give him glory. Then our fifth weapon of the warfare is the prayer agreement found in Matthew 18, 19. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my father, which is in heaven. The old folks said, sometimes we must double team upon the enemy of our souls. In the army, my niece Stacy said, every soldier has a battle buddy, has someone who has their back. We need battle buddies in the spirit. We're not to be just lone rangers. There's power in united prayer. In Deuteronomy 32 and verse 30, it says, how can one man pursue a thousand or two put 10,000 to flight unless their rock has sold them unless the Lord had given them up. Glory to God. Leviticus 26 and verse 8 says, five of you shall chase a hundred and a hundred of you shall put a thousand to flight. Your enemy shall fall by the sword before you. Oh, prayer of agreement is important. He said, call for the elders of the church. Hallelujah. And united prayer is important. Sometimes we just don't know enough. I don't care how erudite somebody might think that they are. They got it all together. Sometimes we don't know enough and we need to be able to pray in the spirit with other believers. Then number six weapon of our warfare is intercession in other tongues. Romans 8 26 says, likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses for we don't know how, what to pray as we ought, but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. The Holy ghost knows just how to pray through you and through us for problems. And he does it expertly. Then the number seven weapon is, because I'm only down, down to three minutes, you guys. The seventh weapon of our warfare is the sowing of a special seed. Acts 10 and verse 4 says, when Cornelius, he was praying and he gave of his money, his alms unto the Lord. It came up as a memorial before the Lord. And as a result, Cornelius and his whole household got saved. I'm telling you, when you sow a special seed, it will turn the tide around. Glory to God. I'm a living witness of that. Our eighth weapon is the prayer with fasting. Mark 9 verse 28 and 29. After Jesus had gone into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? Jesus answered, this kind cometh I cannot come out except by prayer and fasting. That's why it's so important, as we know as believers, that we must know and understand beyond a shadow of a doubt, glory to God. We've got to know and understand that we have all these weapons, 
But there are some things that come out only by prayer and with fasting. Then our ninth weapon is our mouth. It's a special weapon. Proverbs 18, 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. There's power in the words that we speak. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And we look in Ezekiel 37. God begins to give the mode of operation. He took Ezekiel into a valley that was depressed, had been there a long time, and the bones were scattered. And he asked Ezekiel the question, can these bones live? And Ezekiel said, Lord, you know, Lord, you know, glory to God. He could have been erudite and scholarly and said, Lord, I'm going to tell you how to do it. No, he said, Lord, you know. And then God told him to speak to those bones, prophesy to them three times. He told them one to speak to them, to tell them to live. And they all came together. And then he told them the second time to speak to them and to call forth the breath of life into them. And they all stood up on their feet. And then the third time he told them to prophesy to them that they would have hope. Glory to God. He wanted them to be able to have hope in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. And so he did that. I'm telling you, the mouth is a special weapon because God wants us to be the prophets of our own life. Then the 10th weapon of our warfare is the canopy of God's glory as a defense. Uh, that Isaiah 4 and, five, 4 and verse 5 says, for upon all the glory shall be a defense. God's glory is a defense and a protection over us. Glory to God. There was a man in the, uh, there was a missionary in the jungle and the mosquitoes were everywhere and he didn't know what to do. He didn't know how to do. So he cried out to God and God told him to pray the canopy of his glory as a defense and protection against those mosquitoes. And when he went back out, the mosquitoes would come to him, would get only to a certain point, and then they would stop. And, and he said, and they wouldn't bite them. And so we must pray the canopy of God's glory as a defense and as a protection. Glory to God. There are two more weapons of our warfare that I'm going to add on at the end. Faith, because 1 John 5 and verse 4 says, for whatever is born of God overcometh the world, even our faith. And the 12th weapon is love because faith works and operates by love in Galatians 5 and verse 6. And faith will cover a multitude of sins. Glory to God. God bless you, each one of you, in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Now, uh, as we continue on and we end this particular broadcast for this particular time, look like I had to go fast today because our broadcast time uh, is, is just so limited our broadcast time is. But in summation, in this review, God wants us to be doers of the word and not just hearers only, deceiving our own selves. We're reminded that as soldiers in the army of the Lord, that there is a war going on. And God does not want us to be in la-la land, unaware that we have an enemy who is organized into ranks. And that God wants us, God has given us weapons of our warfare to resist and stand victoriously against him. We went over 12 weapons of our warfare. We have 10 that we were focusing on. And I didn't really do a lot of justice because I didn't go to get to go into some of them as much as I would like to. The first weapon is the name of Jesus Christ. That second weapon, the blood of Jesus Christ. The third weapon is the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. The fourth weapon, worship and praise. The fifth weapon, 
prayer of agreement. The sixth weapon, intercession in other tongues. The seventh weapon, the sowing of a special seed. The eighth weapon, prayer with fasting. The ninth weapon, our mouth is a special weapon. The tenth weapon, the canopy of God's glory as a defense and as a protection over us. And then we even gave you two more weapons, faith, because it says in 1 John 5, 4, for whatever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Faith is not only a shield, which is a vital part of the armor of God, but faith is also one of the weapons of our warfare because by faith and through faith, we overcome the world and get the victory. And then that 12th weapon, love. Our faith works and operates by love. Remember again that without love, our faith cannot and will not properly work. Galatians 5 and verse 6 says that our faith works by love. Love is the operating system of our faith and our faith is activated by love. First Peter 4 and verse 8 says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Now, as we end this broadcast today, this radio blog, blog talk uh, broadcast today, if you're not saved, you might be listening to this many years from now. And I apologize for having to go fast because I only had a limited time on this particular broadcast. But if you're listening to this broadcast and you're not saved, you're not born again, you're not in the family of God, you've not yet been enlisted into the army of God, remember that the word of God says in Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This day, if you're not sure of your salvation, say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, that's right. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you into my heart and life. I repent of all my sins. And I do believe that you are the Christ, the son of the living God, and that God raised you from the dead. I give my heart and life to you. Now, if you prayed that prayer, according to Acts 20 and verse 32, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace that is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all all them which are set apart in Jesus Christ. Welcome to the family of God. Welcome to the army of God. And God bless each and every one of you. Glory to God.